So that's what's coming up next on Red Sea Roundup. And we thank you for listening to the Catholic Community Showcase. And we'll be back here on the other side in just a little bit. listening to Red Sea Roundup, and I am your host, Gene Wilhelm. Today, we have a couple of very special saints that we need to celebrate. The primary one is Blessed Carolina Gerghardinger, and I ought to be able to say that with a last name like Wilhelm, but I can't. And she is the foundress of the School Sisters of Notre Dame. Those of you, uh, maybe if you were up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, they were very prominent there. They had a mother house on the campus of the University of Dallas, and they they did a lot of uh, teaching in the Catholic schools in that area. The other one that's interesting today is Blessed Stefan Grilewski, and he uh, was born in 1899. Uh, He had like a Ph.D. and all sorts of things in Poland and uh, was General Secretary of the Christian Workers Union, and oddly enough— because of his Catholicism and his intelligence, he got crosswise with the Nazis when they invaded, and he ended up being in a in, ended up being starved to death in Dachau in uh, 1941. So uh, remember him today. And uh, coming up, we will be talking to Marla Ramirez, and she and her son Peter uh, have been coordinating the last three years a, a run walk marathon type thing for muscular dystrophy and uh, the uh, pre-recorded part. And I have with me Marla Ramirez. She and her son, Peter, did something very special in the recent past, and I'd like her to tell us about that and why they do it. Hello, Marla. Hi, Jean. Um, Yeah, so uh, Peter and I uh, hosted the third annual Bryan College Station BCS Muscle Crew 5K Walk, Run, and Roll. It is an event that raises money and awareness for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Um, We decided to do this uh, three years ago in in the BCS area because the telethons, which were uh, Jerry's Kids telethons and the Show of Strength telethons, were discontinued. And um, there really wasn't a lot of awareness in the community or the continued discussion of the need for help to help um, find cures and treatments for muscular disease. So we we decided to do this locally a few years ago. And one of the reasons you did that is because Peter has a disease that is uh, that Muscular Dystrophy Association works with and tries to cure, right? Definitely. So Peter's condition is spinal muscular atrophy, which is one of 13 forms of muscular dystrophy. And even within the spinal muscular atrophy, there are six different forms. So just by saying that, each one of the muscular dystrophies has several forms within the form. 
So for the Muscular Dystrophy Association to fund research and try to find those cures and treatments to give these individuals a better life has been very difficult because it's not a one treats all or one cures all. They're all so very unique and different. And you didn't have to do this by yourself this year, did you? I did not. We had such an immense uh, amount of support. Uh, Three years ago when we started, it was called Peter's Muscle Crew 5K Walk, Run, and Roll because it was us, the the Ramirez family. And then last year uh, we met um, Darby and her family, which uh, they have, Darby has the same condition as Peter. So they joined us. And it was two families, so we grew the event. And then this year we had Brandon's family, Brando Commando. They joined us. So every year we've been adding families to the event, and it's just been growing. And we've had um, amazing support from the community as well. And how many people came out for the run, which was what, this last uh, Saturday? Uh, Saturday the uh, Saturday the uh, thir- uh, 28th. 28th. Yes. So on the 28th, we had actually we had 125 uh, participants show up and actually participate in the 5K. And so it was a great show. And we also had the Bryan firefighters there. We had MDA from Houston show up. So we had a lot of different uh, support groups that were there. And did Peter and his compadres uh, run their electric wheelchairs as part of the race? <laughs> well, actually, Darby did. Um, Peter did not. <laughs> His chair is in need of new uh, batteries. <laughs> so we oh. said, Peter, you are going to take a shortcut <laughs> because we were afraid that his uh, his wheelchair was going to give out in the 3.1 miles. But he was at the start and finish line, and he took pictures with all the participants and uh, thanked everyone. So it, it was a lot of fun. And the and the reason the the batteries are dying is because Peter is a very active young man. That is correct. That is correct. He has close to 3,000 miles on that wheelchair already. (laughs) And you were telling me uh, just a few minutes before we started that Peter has an exciting thing that's going to happen in his life this next school year. Yes, Peter has been selected as a junior class president for uh, his high school. He attends Consol High School, and he's going to serve the school and his, his class as junior class president. Wow. Now, if somebody wants to uh, assist uh, with this, uh, how would they go about contributing money if they hadn't been a part of the run? So if you still Google BCS uh, or 2018 BCS Muscle Crew 5K, it's still popping up. And MDA has kept it open for a few more weeks uh, where people could go in and uh, make donations and, and still contribute to, to that cause. Okay, Marla. Now, what are some of the things that that your family has benefited from because of MDA and what they do and and what this money contributes to? Sure. So MDA has many different facets. Uh, One of the ones that, of course, Trey and I are, we, we find so much value in is the medical treatment and the care. They, we go to clinic at least twice a year in Houston, and we'll see four or five doctors in one visit. They, they schedule it all for our convenience. So we, it's a one-stop shop. And we get to learn. Uh, we're taught how to take care of all his needs, respiratory, feeding, um, physical, you know, all the, the physical medicine, um, his equipment. So everybody comes and helps us one day at one appointment. And we will walk out of 
that appointment after a four or five hour appointment, having seen four or five doctors and no bill. They they will send a bill to our insurance and if whatever insurance doesn't cover, they never charge us the difference. So MDA clinic is truly free to anyone who has been diagnosed with muscular dystrophy disease. There's, the other thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So one of, um, from that, one of the other big things, and this is from Trey and I, our perspective, I'll give you Peter's in a few minutes, but our perspective also is the research and the treatment. So back December, 2016, um, MDA helped fund research to cure or treat spinal muscular atrophy. And in December of 2016, uh, the FDA approved a treatment. So Peter has been receiving treatment at Texas Children's Hospital for a year now um, through the MDA clinic for his condition. And his condition that is degenerative has stopped. It has not uh, gotten worse. He has been able to maintain and actually grow in respiratory function and physical, uh, a little bit of his physical ability has also increased. Now, you were telling me also that there is a rather exciting opportunity for these wheelchair-bound children to have some fun during the summer. Okay, that's Peter's perspective. So when you ask Peter about MDA, he's like, MDA camp. So every summer, there is a week-long camp at Camp for All in Burton, Texas, that the MDA Association, the, they, they host. So for seven days, uh, children with uh, muscular dystrophy all gather. They usually have a, a, about 120 uh, children between first grade and 17 years of age. So once you hit 17, you, you age out. Um, but you go to camp for a week, and it is 100% accessible. He gets to zip line. He gets to canoe, ride horses, ride motorcycles. It's incredible, and he just feels such an independence. He, he goes without us. He has an, a counselor. Every child is, is assigned a counselor that spends a week with them, that is trained how to care for them. The MDA doctors and nurses and staff are there to assist with anything that comes up during the week. So it is truly an amazing experience for every every person that, as a counselor, as a camper, as a physician, they just all bond, and he wants to go back every single year. Not to mention the fact that you and Trey look forward to a week by yourselves. Yes, we we do a lot of uh, chores at home. <laughs> we get a lot of things done that, that we wouldn't necessarily. We always talk about taking a trip, but we never have. Um, so I don't know, maybe one year we'll, we'll plan a trip during that time. <laughs> what would you say to somebody that's kind of on the fence as to whether they uh, believe what MDA is doing is worthwhile or whether it's worth their trip contributing money to or whatever? How, what would you say to them, Marla? Well, I actually want to quote Peter. So Peter was interviewed not too long ago, and that exact question was, was asked. And his words were, your donations to MDA truly make a difference to families like mine. And I thought that captured it all. Um, a lot of people sometimes, you know, worry about donations to nonprofits and how much of it really goes to the nonprofit. And MDA truly, truly funds research treatments. We are actually living that right now. Um, when Peter was seven months old, the doctor said two years is his lifespan. And here we are 16 years later, a year into treatment that has actually stopped the progression of his disease. Without the re research funds from associations like MDA, that would have never happened. So it is making a difference. And then a lot of times 
when a, a person in a family has a disease like neuromuscular disease, work is compromised for the adults. We have to miss work. We, you know, and for the MDA clinic to say, you could come see us without any need to pay, that makes a difference in in the quality of life for these individuals. And then camp for the kids. It, it just gives them a week of independence. They build friendships that last forever. Um, it, it's just amazing to, to see everything they do and how it all comes together. This seems to me that it's a very good example of the fact that you can uh, be Christ to somebody else, and you don't have to be associated with some church or parachurch organization to do that. That's true, Jean. I mean, the families that we have met and the doctors, actually, I have a cool story. Um, When Peter started his treatment, uh, we, we've become really close friends with a lot of these families and, of course, the doctors. But we're visiting his neurologist, and she was just in, in awe of how well Peter was doing and how we've had a whole year of no hospitalizations, nothing since he's been on treatment. So, of course, my ignorant question to her, and it was very ignorant because I know the answer. And I said, so, doctor, do you think that he's doing so well because he happens to have two copies of the SMN2 gene instead of only one. And he looked at, she looked at me and she said, no, Marla, he's doing so well because of your face. You know, the treatment's extra, but it takes everything. And, and, and I looked at her and my mom was with me and I was like, oh my gosh, she's right. I mean, yes, the treatment is important, but the treatment plus the faith. And she said, it's his faith. It's your faith. That is what's keeping Peter going. And at any given time, we could send out an email, we could send out a text to the community here and there, and everybody's praying for him. Everybody's asking for healing for whatever's going on, and he comes through every time, you know, stronger. So it, it, definitely, it, it's a very faith-strong community. So even, uh, Marla, even when you are in Houston receiving treatment for Peter, you actually have opportunities to evangelize. We do, we do, <laughs> and we've been about evangelized too, too. <laughs> so, yes, it, it has been amazing. Yes. Okay, Marla, I appreciate so much that you've been with us uh, for this uh, very brief segment. One more time, how does somebody go about contributing to the MDA associ- MDA? So, if you Google 2018 BCS Muscle Crew 5K walk, run, and roll. You will see the links come up and you just um, click on it and it, it, it's an MDA page. It says MDA on it and it'll ask you if you want to donate and you can just click on donate and they will take your, it is a tax um, deductible donation and they will send you your receipt immediately and, and it goes straight to MDA. Thank you so much, Marla. I really appreciate you and and Trey, and of course, Peter's smiling face whenever I get to see it. You have a great day. Thank you, Gene. God bless you. God bless you. Well, you want to go to go to break a little oh, bit earlier? Is that kind of what that, you're feeling? I think it's about time, and we're going to have more than enough to talk about in the last second half of the program. David Jordan, Mike Kelly, and Dennis Daniels, and we're going to be talking about ministry to men and how it is uh, worked out in the Austin Diocese and in the Brazos Valley in particular.
Good morning and welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. And we're going to be talking about men's ministry or ministry to men this morning in the last part of this program. And I have with me here in the studio, David Jordan. Good morning, David. Good morning, Gene. And on the phone from Waco. And from Waco, we have Mike Kelly. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Gene. And also in Waco, we have Dennis Daniels. How are you doing this morning, Dennis? I'm, I'm doing great, Gene. Thanks for having us. I I am so uh, glad to have you here because I believe so much in in ministry to men, and uh, you you two can uh, Dennis, you were telling me that you were pretty familiar with what's going on throughout the diocese, and that you spent twenty years in Austin. So you can tell us about that part of the diocese and what the ministry to men looks like there. And Mike, obviously, you can talk about Waco because you've been there for I don't know how many years, and. Well, six- Sixteen, Gene. Sixteen. And, and you are the outgoing, I don't know what the word is, coordinator or overseer or king of Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men. And Dennis is incoming. Lot, yeah, I've been called a lot of things. Um, hopefully never late for dinner. But uh, my business card says executive director. Executive director. And Dennis, you're stepping right. into those shoes at the beginning of June. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, Mike has has opted to retire, and the board uh, has asked me to to try to fill his uh, very large shoes. So I'll do the best I can. Well, I'm sure you'll do a good job. Uh, now, what? Tell me what the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men is to start with, and then then we. I want to talk to David a little bit about what's going on here, and then have you guys tell me a little bit what, what's going on in the rest of the diocese. Mike, you want to handle that? Well, I would uh, add to it, Dennis. Uh, Gene, the the vision of the uh, Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men is no man left behind. And uh, by that we mean that no matter where a man is in his faith journey, uh, that we want every man to have the opportunity for fellowship with other men. And uh, so the mission of the fellowship is to help men become disciples of Christ, wherever they are in their journey, wherever they are in their walk or state of life or or circumstance, that uh, to help men, to invite men in, uh, to walk with other men in uh, a closer, deeper relationship with Christ. And we do this, uh, first of all, by supporting uh, parish fellowship groups, and uh, also with the annual men's mass uh, and the annual men's conference uh, each year. So uh, that's a that's a quick overview of uh, what we're about, and uh, just some of the things that we're doing to help uh, drive that mission of uh, vision and mission. No man left behind, and. Uh, Helping men become disciples uh, in walking in their in their faith journey. Now, Dennis, se- you want to add to that? Oh. Or Gene, go ahead. Uh, Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men has been around for a number of years now. Does uh, how long has that been happening? Just out of curiosity, or does anybody really know? Well, uh, more than ten years. More than ten more years. Than- That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And yes. it, it is, and it's not isolated either. It's actually affiliated with the National Fellowship of Catholic Men, which I don't know where that is these days. Yes, well, uh, the uh, it is affiliated with the uh, National Fellowship, 
And uh, in June, uh, there's going to be a meeting of leaders from around the country uh, to jumpstart what's uh, to share best practices, which is happening in each of the uh, dioceses around the country where there's uh, leaders that are uh, promoting fellowship. Uh, Dennis, uh, myself, Bill Moyer, and Robert Tunmeyer will be attending that meeting to uh, share what we've experienced and learned in the Austin Diocese and bring back to Austin those things that we can learn from fellows from around the entire country. Now, uh, Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men is not officially a part of the diocese, but it is pretty much de facto uh, the ministry to men in the Austin Diocese. Is that not correct? Well, I think that would be reasonable to say, Gene. Uh, no, we're not a uh, you know we're not a department, so to speak, of the uh, of the diocese. But we operate with the full approval and blessing of uh, Bishop Joe Vasquez, and uh, uh, we work very closely with uh, the folks in the uh, diocesan office, uh, the pastoral center, in coordinating activities and also. Uh, provide mutual support uh, to uh, uh, the larger mission in the uh, diocese and uh, their support uh, for our particular ministry to men. Now, David, you are relatively new at your position, and I don't know what it's called. Would you help me to understand what it is? I am um, uh, uh, what they call a deanery lead. I am in the deanery, in the Bryan College Station uh, deanery. Uh, I am the person, the contact person that uh, a parish can call me and um, uh, ask for for our support through the um, uh, Central Texas um, Fellowship of of Catholic Men. Uh, And I go in and talk with the the priest, the the, uh, uh, deacons or or the the lay people that are interested in in, uh, in starting a, uh, a ministry for men. Okay. Now, there are several uh, parishes in the Bryan College Station area that have ministries to men. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about some of those? Well, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas uh, in College Station has got a uh, ministry that uh, they meet on Thursday morning at 6 o'clock. Um, and, and, and you they, get fed fairly well if you go. They, this this uh, this particular one has uh, has a breakfast, has normally a hot breakfast, uh, uh, where we go in and and uh, and eat breakfast and then have a uh, have a, a presentation or, um, or a program and have uh, small group discussions afterwards. And that's been going on for probably eight nine years now. It's too. been it, yes, uh, almost ten years, almost mm-hmm. ten years. And then um, uh, St. Joseph's got a, uh, a group that meets on Monday morning at 545. Uh, they usually have coffee and donuts, but, uh, and they have a program, a pr- presentation, and, um, uh, and they break into small groups and so forth. Um, the, um, uh, obviously, St. Mary's, which is headed up by you, um, has got a, um, uh, here, in, here in College Station, has uh, got a, um, a group at noon, uh, more of a lunch group, and uh, 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 everybody that, that wants to brings brings their own lunch and and sits down and and uh, and you have uh, the pa- uh, passages for for the next mass of the weekend that's coming, and we discuss those things. And then um, uh, uh, Saint Anthony's group in Bryan um, has just started. We've uh, we meet every other Saturday at seven o'clock. 
uh, and we have uh, kolaches and donuts in, in the morning. And uh, we are starting a program uh, there that uh, tries. And basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to help each other with, our, with the faith and, and being good, good uh, uh, men and good leaders in, our, in the Catholic Church. Um, and then there is a group in, um, uh, at St. Mary's in Caldwell that is just now starting, and they're trying to put it together, and, and we're trying to help them do that. Um, and uh, they, they, uh, they met at um, uh, one of the uh, donut houses in, in um, uh, uh, Caldwell. And um, so we're, we're just starting on that, so, and, and we're affiliating with them. Uh, there are other churches in the deanery, uh, uh, Stat and, uh, and uh, Hearn and Franklin, um, that uh, we have not heard from yet. Uh, but we are we are going to uh, try to get with them and see if they are, are are willing or wanting to to get something started and let them know that we're here to to help them out to to uh, uh, with materials or information or or, uh, or whatever that that they're needing. What I understand about uh, even the the uh, ministries here in the Bryan College Station area is that men ignore. Uh, parish boundaries to find a ministry that fits them, and, and it, that's encouraged. Is that not correct? That's very true. Uh, in fact, um, my, um, my experience is that uh, when I wanted to try to start a group at St. Anthony's, I went to uh, both uh, St. Joe's and uh, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas in trying to find out how to get things started. Uh, in fact, that's how I got. Uh, I met up with uh, Mike Kelly with the uh, Central Texas uh, uh, Fellowship of Catholic Men, and uh, that's where the the fire uh, got kindled up and and uh, and and passion. Um, and we have people. In fact, we when we had a the conference at the uh, uh, in in uh, Round Rock uh, this year, uh, I had a gentleman from the San Antonio Archdiocese come from there to to visit us and and he is looking to start a group in in their archdiocese mm. uh, Mike and Dennis uh, what's your experience <clears throat> with uh, men's groups in the areas where you spend a lot of time? I'm sorry Jeannie, in the areas well, you, you you're very familiar with Waco and Dennis you're probably more familiar with the uh, Austin area although you're I don't know how long you've been living in Waco but you indicated that you'd lived in Austin before. Yeah, yeah, Gene. Uh, across the diocese, we have approximately 25 uh, parishes that have active programs. Uh, there's four in Temple Belt and Colleen. Uh, there's uh, about five or six in the Waco area. Uh, as uh, as David was mentioning, there's about four over in College Station, and then in the Austin area, and and I say roughly Austin, stretching from Georgetown down to. San Marcos, there's about a dozen parishes. Um, and, you know, up until now, the fellowship has has pretty much been uh, very visible up and down I-35 and a little bit over in um, uh, College Station. And my objective is, uh, as Mike said earlier, to, to broaden that. Uh, with no man left behind in the diocese, 
we have to work over the next several years to improve our visibility and outreach to literally every parish in the Diocese of Austin. Well, and, and uh, I remember when uh, St. Uh, St. Thomas started their fellowship, and I believe St. Joseph also. They used the uh, That Man Is You program from uh, Paradisa Staying. And uh, that is pretty well self-contained, and it really doesn't require a lot of, on the part of anybody who's trying to coordinate that program. Yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent program. It's one that many of the parishes choose to start up. Um, it's, it's one of about 65 programs that we have. Um, the nice thing about the That Manage You program is it kind of talks about how to set up a, uh, a delivery mechanism for your parish, uh, establishing a core team. There's some good things that can be learned from, from using that model. Um, what we try to do, though, is make sure that each parish understands this is more than just a program. It's really about an all-encompassing ministry to men. We know that a man by himself is an easy target. Christ sent out his disciples in pairs because he knew that they were entering spiritual battle, and one person always needs another person to bolster them in a weak spot. So what we're trying to do is follow the model of Christ and make sure that every man in the diocese has a partner that he can walk with on his spiritual journey. That's where No Man Left Behind comes from. Okay, and now when you say that, that, that tells me that perhaps some of the men's groups actually have accountability partners and that type of thing uh, that uh, is kind of foreign to a lot of us. It really is. Uh, one of the things that we're trying to encourage uh, is that every day the, the, the men pair up with a buddy, a prayer buddy, and just say a short series of prayers. Um, you know, we know that everyone is at a different place in their spiritual journey. We want to be able to meet men wherever they are, whether that's at the ballpark, or whether that's in the Adoration Chapel. Uh, we understand that there's a complete spectrum of, of development in, the, in a men's spirituality. So we want to find, we want guys to find a partner that they can work with, that they can pray with, that they can walk alongside, and accountability is part of that. That That is so important, and uh, but it doesn't always happen. I mean, it's it's something that's very. Most of us men are very reluctant to begin. It you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, American culture, men are rugged individualists. Uh, you know, we we've been brought up that way. We've been trained that way. I mean, my gosh, our our whole Western United States has has been populated by rugged individualists. But we have to recognize as men that we are human. And the evil one is not. He is a spiritual entity. And in a spiritual battle, if we try to take on the evil one one-on-one, we are going to lose. Uh, Mike and I were, were talking about that about uh, nine months ago, and we actually, uh, we, we, we call it our, our uh, divine appointment. It was a divine appointment. We were talking about the tactics of spiritual development in a restaurant, and a priest walks in, 
And Dennis, we approached. Can I? Yeah, go, Dennis, can please. I? Uh, our tactics were: how do we spread the word? They they, I don't know that they were so much spiritual, but how do we get the word out? And how do we touch? You know, how do we get? You know, contacted with, you know, connected with different parishes, priests, deacons, and so forth, uh, to tell them about this this wonderful thing that that we think we're doing. Uh, and it was more about the the what we what what you deemed, I think, is uh, some business tactics. How do we apply some business tactics for that? If I hope I'm not overstating that, but uh, that's where I think our that's where our discussion were, was. I'll let you pick it up from there. Yeah, Mike's Mike's right on. We were looking at it as men typically do, using our own talents and skills and practical knowledge. When in walks a Catholic priest, we invite him over. As it turns out, he's a traveling evangelist on his way from Kentucky to San Antonio. And his, <laughs> his charism was evangelization and, and spirituality. And he's really the one that told us, look, this is a spiritual battle. You got to get guys praying about it. You got to spend 80% of your time on the spiritual aspects of this because you're fighting a spiritual battle. And if you don't recognize that, you're going to lose. And so what we try to do now is the first thing we want men to do is to begin praying. Find a prayer partner, begin praying, and let the Spirit you know, listen to what the Spirit has to say as far as your your spirituality and your growth, and then you, you're you ready to engage with another man or with a group. Okay. Now, how, you, you said there are quite a few groups. Are there uh, most of these groups, or a lot of them, uh, particularly like if you're doing that, man, as you start forming in the spring, and it takes about six months of preparation to get there, doesn't it? That is correct. It does take uh, a little prep work to get there. And a lot of that has to do with proper formation or development of a core team. Um, implementing the program, if you just start out of the box and you implement the, core, the, the program, the problem is people start falling away fairly quickly if you don't have a good structure. There's a lot of, there's a lot of tactical work that needs to be done. And so it does take a little bit of time to, to prepare Who's going to handle the, the coordination? Who's going to handle the meals? Who's going to handle the video presentation? Uh, you know, there's some things that need to be worked out. And so you want to spend time as a core team making sure that you're really bought in so that you're going to be there to support the program for at least the first 12 months. So, so we, we'd like to encourage people to take the time to develop before just diving in. It sounds to me. It sounds to me as though that there's real balance between the spirituality and the practical. It's the old aurore at labore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, have can to I have the in? balance. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Uh, thank you. Um, and, I, and just to add, uh, Gene, just to add to what uh, Dennis was describing in terms of you know creating that foundation, and coming back to what Dennis has said about the spirituality is so important, uh, is that the men who receive a call to men's, those that receive a call to men's fellowship, shouldn't begin that journey by themselves, um, and uh, so. Coming to a uh, coming to a, a a fellowship, so to speak, and accountability, 
among those that are thinking about uh, starting a men's group, a men's fellowship in their parish is really, really important. Uh, because again, going back to what Dennis said, we as men, rugged individualists, uh, hey, there's this great program. Why don't we why don't we start it up in September and we'll invite all the guys from the parish to come and you uh, cook the breakfast or pick up the kolaches and somebody else takes care of the name tags and da da da. They're all tasked. They're all tasked. But unless we as leaders uh, in our parish groups uh, have a strong core a relationship and accountability amongst our fellow leaders and create those bonds, uh, it becomes just another program that at the end of six or 12 months or whatever it might be, it's over. Now, where does everybody go and what happens next? But creating that vision uh, of where do we want to go with this, recognizing that in so many parishes, it may only be uh, 15, 20 or 25 percent of the men that are uh, even connected with the parish, let alone actively involved in ministry. If you look what at about d- the guys, what about the guys, you know, that drop their kids off at uh, CCE and then they go out to Home Depot or begin some of their Sunday chores or whatever that happens to be? Uh, these are all the men that we're thinking about. That takes sustainability. That takes a longer view. And so the programs that we have seen uh, successful or can, you know, continuing to grow across the diocese are those that are built on a good, solid foundation of that spiritual core, uh, that accountability within the leaders of that program for their own particular journey and also for the larger vision and mission, um, you know, because as leaders, uh, we're susceptible to the same uh, temptations and, and, and uh, disruptions in our life, whether it be uh, health or uh, concern about family members or relationship or loss of a job. Uh, we get whacked, too, and we need brothers who we can share that, that journey with also. Like, it's really, it's, I think you are optimistic about 15% if you believe the numbers that Matthew Kelly puts out, that in a typical parish, it's only 7% of the people that are engaged. So yeah, if, if you get 7% of the men in a parish to be part of a men's ministry, you're doing remarkable. Well, yes. Uh, I have been, in, I have been in, uh, accused, Gene, at times of being a little bit naive. <laughs> but, uh, I wouldn't but, say that, Mike. But, I, I like I like you describing me as an optimist, uh, and okay. I was trying to be kind. So. Now, I'd like to I'd like David to join in here and and share a little bit. Now, you've just gone through this trying to start a men's ministry at St. Anthony's. Uh, uh, is what Mike and Dennis are saying? Does that ring true with you? The, exactly, and and uh, it's an ongoing thing. It's not just something that you start and then you know stand back and let it roll. It's it's an ongoing thing. But it's something that, uh, as as Mike and Dennis both brought up, is that uh, it's 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 a partnership. You have to you have to have men helping men to to become good disciples with uh, with Christ. Christ wants us to be disciples. We are to make disciples of all nations, and and in doing that, we have to have a relationship with Him and with our neighbor, which is other men, and and. Those, those men need to understand that they have a place in this church. 
and uh, and that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to get them to uh, to bring the masculinity back to the to the Catholic Church. Well. It, it just strikes me that when Jesus called his first disciples, he asked them to throw down their nets. So we may be asking men to throw down their fishing rods for a while to be part of this or their softball gloves or their golf clubs or whatever else to, to help not only improve their lives and the lives of their family, but the lives of other men that they know. Exactly. And, and it's, it's a priority. Where are your priorities? Is your priorities in fishing or is your priority in trying to serve and protect your family uh, through not just physically but spiritually? And that that's not easy, is it? I'm, I'm going to poll, take a poll here. That's not easy to make those decisions, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. Not at all. Yeah. You know, Gene, you mentioned it not being easy. <clears throat> Adam failed. <clears throat> he was called to, to lead the family in faith, and because he didn't do his job, you know, we've got this mess on our hands. And one of the things that we recognize is that if you're going to have a strong society, you must have strong families. And if you're going to have strong families, you must have strong mothers and fathers. So by addressing the men's ministry, we're hoping to prop up not only the men in their own faith journey, but we're hoping to prop up the family and we're hoping to prop up society as a whole. What? I think we can all agree that we have some serious weaknesses. And until men step up and start leading, we're going to have a problem. Well, it, it, the question comes to me at this point, uh, and uh, sometimes I get a little bit flippant, but there, you, maybe you've got a man that's in a parish and he lives about three miles outside of nowhere. And he, he, really would like to have fellowship with other Catholic men, but doesn't quite know how to do that. What, uh, what can he do and what can the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men do to help him with that? And maybe, his, maybe the pastor of his church really does, isn't interested in, in having anything else at the church. Yeah, I think that the, that the example that you just shared is, is spot on. Um, you know, the first thing is it always begins with one person. And for that person to, to begin, it's first thing, start praying about it. Pray for the, pray for the spirit to help him find that other man. Uh, you know, the, the faith has been passed from one person to the next for 2000 years. And the first thing that Christ did was he found his friends. He found his buddies. He found those people that he could build a relationship with. So that's where that first man needs to start, is just trying to find another person that shares his same position and his same understanding that this is important. We can then help by either helping him find that person, whether it's someone in the diaconate or whether it's another parish leader, or maybe it's another guy in another parish somewhere. But we can help walk through that process with an individual to kind of, you know, help him, help him step up and find that partner. David, you look like you have something you want to say. <laughs> well, I, I want to reiterate uh, the fact that, that there are, I'm sure there's many men out there that are looking for something. Some of them don't realize they're looking for something. But if, if, they're, if they are looking to, to be, become a better spiritual person or a better disciple— I think the first thing they need to do is to get is to contact the church, either the deacon or the priest, 
And if if there is nothing at the at their parish level, then uh, to contact us at the uh, uh, Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men, and we might be able to plug them into something. If there is nothing in the parish that they belong to, maybe they, they should find other men in that area that feel the same way that they do in the laity, then start a, a ministry. And it doesn't necessarily have to be at the church, does it? No, Although that would no, be the ideal. No, not really. That, it, that would be ideal. And, and uh, it's often, uh, as, as they did over in, in, uh, in Caldwell, they get together at a, at a donut shop in town. Yeah. And uh, Gene, I would just uh, jump in here for a minute. Uh, the, uh, you're absolutely right. I, I want to also say sometimes when we, when we receive a call, it doesn't even come about, uh, the call doesn't even uh, uh, seem to us as, hey, I need to do something about my spiritual journey. Uh, sometimes, and I reflect back over my life, and sometimes I just want to be a better person. Uh, and I don't know what that path looks like in terms of, well, what are the first steps? Um, you know, I've come to learn now that, uh, it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's important for me to stay on my spiritual journey and have other men walking with me. But, uh, as, as individual men, we tend to think we have to do it all, but to be a better person, I need to, or better husband, I need to do it by myself. I got to fix myself, which we know is impossible. And sometimes it's just, I would just like to be able to sit down with a guy and, and share more than sports and uh, what's going on at work. I love to talk about some of my challenges. And mm-hmm. just so finding a man who's willing to uh, talk about some personal, you know, those personal issues we're facing, I think is, is important. And, and sometimes that can sometimes that can happen in a small group, and sometimes it needs to be one on one, based on the f- friendships that develop through some of these uh, fellowships. That's right. That's right. Through activities, uh, whether it be uh, sometimes it's just uh, somebody we meet at the barbecue or the festival at church, uh, or somebody that we uh, we get to know. Uh, uh, after mass or some other activity at church, and uh, so it uh, it can start in a lot of different ways. Men just have to be conscious of uh, the, the call that there is something more to life than what they're doing right now, and uh, be open to the opportunity. Well, I know with me, I I uh, uh, was disillusioned by society and the problems that we're having with society, and and uh, in reading an article. Uh, they uh, uh, they had mentioned that that basically, if you take uh, many, uh, if not most of the uh, the problems that we're having in society, you can you can actually follow it back to a decision a man has made, and it's because he's he's made the wrong decision or he he decided not to get involved, and that's where where these things come from, and and uh, sometimes you you get with, uh, say, the Knights of Columbus or some of the other groups that are at, at the, the parish level, and you meet somebody there that feels the same way that you do. That's a beginning of a men's ministry. I think that's really right. And, and if you, if, for example, if you were to go to St. Thomas Aquinas tomorrow morning, mm-hmm. 
you would see some of the same men there that were at the first meeting, however many years ago it was, for that particular ministry. So it's it's an ongoing thing, and there's always new people coming in as well. And uh, we got a, just a couple of minutes. Tell us a little bit about the Mass that's coming up in Austin and when that is. Go ahead, Mike. That, uh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, I think we were all waiting for each other. Uh, that is going to be Saturday, uh, July 21st at uh, St. Elizabeth's in Pflugerville. Uh, the Mass will be at 10 o'clock. Bishop Joe will be uh, a celebrant of the Mass. And uh, the good news, Gene, is that uh, uh, for the past several years, we've had it at the cathedral, which is a beautiful parish. I mean, a beautiful church, an edifice. But uh, the good news is uh, we have we have filled it to capacity in standing room only. So uh, we have uh, we will be at St. Elizabeth's in Pflugerville. Pflugerville, another beautiful church, with a larger capacity to accommodate uh, the increase. Uh, so that is Saturday, uh, July 21st, uh, or I'm mean, sorry, uh, yeah, July 21st, and uh, the Mass will be at 10 o'clock, followed by a reception with the bishop. Okay, one more time on uh, if somebody wants to get information I'm not going to ask you to give your phone number, but what is the name of the website or what do they Google to get the information about what we've been talking about? Yes, it is Sentex Catholic, C-E-N-T-E-X Catholic dot com. Sentex Catholic, one word dot com. And I bet you could you could Google Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men and get there, too. Yes. Mm hmm. OK. Mm hmm. Sentex Catholic's pretty easy to remember. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I really thank you so much, gentlemen, for being here, all of you. And, and uh, I wish that we had had a lot more time. Just one last thought. Uh, one of you flip the coin and one last thought of a going away message for our listeners. Dennis, go ahead. <laughs> uh, pray for us. Uh, we understand that this is a spiritual battle, and the only way that we will win is if we have your prayers. Uh, we ask for you to pray for the men of the diocese. We ask for you to pray for the, for the families of the diocese, that the Holy Spirit will move the men in the diocese of Austin to be open to, to fellowship with other Catholic men. Thank you so much, Dennis. Daniels? Gene, could I just say, throw one other thing in here? Well, uh, we can always we're just absolutely out of time. Go I'm ahead. sorry. We're just... Thank you. Go ahead. And Mike, Kelly, thank you. David Jordan, thank you so much for being with us. And Thanks. Thanks when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up. <laughs>